Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hey everyone, welcome to Rethink Life Church. We are so honored that you've chose to join us online today. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us, watching maybe for the first time, let me go ahead and encourage you to click that I'm new button there at the top of your screen. If you're watching on our website or if you're watching by Facebook, just click in the little column there in the chat section, I'm new, and we would love to get to know you. We'd love to know how we can serve you and be a life-giving uh, encouragement to your life. Also, make sure you share the share button with your friends. It's so vitally important. Well, today is the conclusion of a series that we've been in called We is Greater Than Me. We've been learning throughout this series different ways that we can do great things together. And I just want to say, if you've missed any of those messages, make sure you go back to our YouTube channel and watch those messages, or you can listen to them on our Rethink Life podcast. But today I want to share with you the importance of giving together. You know, it's interesting when you think about this whole issue of giving together, you know, we can just do so much more. We can be so much more impactful when we collectively do our part in giving so that we can make a greater difference for God's purposes. And I just want to encourage you and affirm you in your generosity and your faithful giving. To date, we have given now over $13,000 for this calendar year of 2021 Outside of our normal giving, we've given over $13,000 to help bless a lot of ministries, our ministry partners. For example, some of that money has gone towards supporting international as well as national missions and outreaches. Some of it has gone towards help contribute towards church planting. Others has gone towards disaster relief and food distribution. Some has even been distributed to help support ministries such as unwed mothers' homes and children's homes. You see, as a church family, we get to be a part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. We have the opportunity to collectively give to meet needs, to see lives change, and to advance the purposes of God. Again, we is greater than me. And when we all come together, it's amazing what God can accomplish in us and through us. You see, generosity is very important to us as a church. In fact, one of our core values goes like this. We like to say generosity is our way. And the reason why that's one of our core values and it's so important to us is simply because we believe that when we come together and we allow God's, listen, His provision and His abundance to flow in us and through us collectively, we can do great things together when we give sacrificially and generously to meet even greater needs. And I just want to say that we even desire to give over and above that $13,000 that we've given so far at the end of this month, as we wrap up the second quarter of ministry for 20, 
21. We even want to give more than that. So that is subject to our generosity and how we faithfully and consistently give. Now, before you tune out and you say, oh, this is just going to be another sermon about giving. Well, yes, that's true, but I want to help you understand something that I think will be a tremendous help as well as a great blessing to your personal life. Depending on where you are when it comes to maybe your perspective or maybe what you believe in this whole concept of giving. As a matter of fact, um, you know, when you think about what God wants to do, I think most importantly, He wants us to have a heart like Himself. Why? Because God is a giver. God so loved, He gave. He wants us to be generous because He is generous. And you know, when we give, it's interesting how God takes what we give and He multiplies it. He blesses it and He uses it to accomplish amazing things. But we have to be willing to give God the opportunity to use us by giving what we have and allowing Him to do what only God can do. And I don't think there's a greater story in all the Bible that illustrates this more than the famous story, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is the story where Jesus fed the 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread. In fact, Jesus was growing in popularity. People had already been witnessing his miracles. His disciples were firsthand you know, observers of what God was doing. And as a result, they began to see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears the miracles that were taking place in so many people's lives. But because of those miracles, his popularity began to, to grow and word began to spread because of life change that was taking place. So much so that the massive crowds was pressing in on Jesus. So he gets in a boat, he, he, he gathers his disciples, they, they cross over uh, the Sea of Galilee, and basically he's just trying to have some sense of retreat. He's trying to gain some space between him and the crowds. And we pick up the story in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And I want to share this story with you. It's one of my favorite uh, passages or Bible stories in all of the New Testament and it says this, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Now it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, meaning people were coming from everywhere, large Crowds were gathering together to worship there in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. So notice, turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, He said, Even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everybody to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Now the men alone, the scripture says, numbered 
some 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus took his disciples. Now gather the leftovers so that people, so excuse me, so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Then the people saw him do miraculous signs. They exclaimed, and surely in their mind and in their hearts, he was a prophet that they had been expecting. You know, when it comes to this particular story, this amazing miracle, there are three lessons that I think we can draw from and apply to our very lives when it comes to this whole issue of giving and allowing God to do what only He can do with what we give. Because once again, when we give, God takes what we give, He blesses it, He multiplies it, and He's able to do far greater than anything we could ever accomplish on our own. Why? Because He places His super on our natural. God is a generous God, and He can do things that you and I could never, ever do by ourselves. And so there are three things. Number one is this, and that is to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done anything that, uh, quite frankly, just didn't make sense to you? I know I have. I mean, there have been countless situations and examples in my life where I did things that really just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, my wife, Michelle, and I, we were actually... Um, uh, in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, we were celebrating 30 years of marriage. And uh, she wanted to take a hot air balloon ride. And it's a real popular place where uh, they often will have an annual hot air balloon festival. And we'd seen them go up in the morning and it was just a beautiful, amazing sight. And she kept pressing me. She said, come on, let's do the ride. Let's take a risk. Let's go up and do it. We've, we've, we both have never done something like this. Now, in my mind, it didn't make any sense for several reasons. Number one, I don't like heights, okay? I mean, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't like being way up in the air, especially in a situation like that. I just feel completely out of control. And so I'm sitting there rationalizing and justifying and giving reasons why, in my mind, it just didn't make sense. And then her response to me was, well, why would you be willing to jump out of a plane and go skydiving? Because that's something that I did. And quite frankly, it didn't make sense to me either because I was a guy who have still to this day have intense fears of heights. But yet I jumped out of an airplane and Michelle said, well, why would you do something like that? I said, well, because I was strapped to a guy behind me. And she said, well, why in the world would you jump out of an airplane strapped to a guy you don't know when we can get in the, in the basket of the hot air balloon and take a beautiful ride with someone that we don't know, but by faith, we're going to do it together. And we were just going back and forth and back and forth. Well, guess what? We never took the balloon ride. You know why? Because I didn't have the courage and I didn't want to take the risk because in my mind, it didn't make sense. I was thinking of worst case scenarios. Well, what if 
the basket suddenly becomes, you know, uh, disassembled and we fall from the sky or the, the balloon burst or whatever. In my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm making all these crazy, crazy, made up, you know, extreme situations become real in my mind. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people when it comes to the whole issue of giving. Because in their mind, it doesn't make sense. In their mind, they're rationalizing and justifying and trying to make excuse as to why they can't or why they shouldn't because we have all of those what ifs or what if I do this but that happens or what if this or what if that you know at the end of the day isn't it crazy how we will trust God for our salvation we will trust God for the forgiveness of sin but when it comes to giving and giving our tithes and giving our resources, and giving to be a blessing to others. Isn't it amazing? We have a hard time trusting God because in a lot of those ways, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it's important that we realize that in many ways, this is exactly what Peter, excuse me, what, what Philip, as well as Philip, uh, uh, Peter's brother Andrew, was experiencing in this moment. But someone once told me that at the end of the day, the Bible in the entire Christian life can be summarized in one word. You know what that word is? It's obedience. I mean, think about it for a moment. What God desires more than anything else, He just desires our obedience, which simply means we're trusting God to be God. Because when we don't trust God, that simply means we're putting our trust in ourselves. We're putting our trust in circumstances. Well, that's a very slippery slope. That is a dangerous place to be. I would much rather put my complete trust in the hands of Almighty God, the supernatural God, the creator of the universe, than putting the trust of something to come through or security to happen if it's all dependent upon myself. And yet what's interesting is that Philip and Andrew both didn't connect the dots because Jesus was testing Philip by asking him a question. In verses 5 through 8, it says, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? Now, this is the only story in all the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, a miracle that actually was recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, each one kind of gives their own unique perspective. Some actually say that it was getting late in the day. So just picture this for a moment. It's getting late in the day. Massive crowds are gathering. You know, Chick-fil-A's closed. You know, all the convenience stores are shut down. There's nowhere to buy food. But Jesus was asking Philip the question because he already knew what he was getting ready to do, but he was putting him to a test. And you know what he wanted to know? He wanted to know not whether it made sense or not. What he wanted was to test the heart of Philip. And he wanted to see what his attitude was going to be. And he wanted to see whether or not he was going to have the attitude of scarcity or abundance. Was he going to, was he going to respond in a way that truly reflected the belief, the trust, and the obedience that Jesus was requiring of Philip? Now, What's, what's crazy is that in this moment is that Philip was having a difficult time.
because he began to really compute, if you will, what it was going to take from a monetary standpoint of view. He basically was saying it's going to take about 200 days worth of wages, but even that is not going to be enough. What was he doing? Once again, he was trying to reason. He was trying to rationalize. He was trying to make sense of something that really didn't make any sense. And as a result, he didn't put his trust in Jesus. That's the reason why in Proverbs chapter 3, it says these words. It says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then I love this because this is where it really gets down to the most practical and basic principle of life. It says, and do not or do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge the fact that God is God and you're not, that he's in control. And what did he promise he will do? He will guide, he will direct, he'll navigate your steps. He will make your ways successful. He will make your ways prosperous. He will provide for every need in your life as long as you trust him with all of your heart. So the first thing we learn from this story is number one, is that we have to, we have to trust God even though it may not make sense. But number two, the second principle that we learn is that we cannot limit God. In other words, don't limit God by holding on to what you think is yours or don't limit God by thinking or believing in your heart that something may be impossible. Because the truth of the matter was, in that moment, Philip, along with Andrew, they saw the massive crowd of people, and yet in the situation and the unique circumstances that they were placed in, once again, they were only seeing things from the natural. They failed to understand who it was that they were with. They were with the Son of the living God. They were, the, they were with Jesus. Listen, if anybody, if anybody should have had complete faith and trust and confidence that Jesus was who he said he was because they just witnessed all the miracles, they've been walking with him, talking with him, doing life with him, doing ministry with him. Now all of a sudden, Jesus proposes the question, hey, where can we buy food to, to, to provide a meal for all of these people so that their needs are met and their stomachs are full that, that these people are taken care of? What was he doing? What he was doing is he was testing them and it was a test that I think that every one of us needs to be willing to go through ourselves. Because the big question is, not only are we going to be obedient, but are we going to put limitations on God? Because that's exactly what not only Philip did, but also it's exactly what Andrew did. Because it says there in verse 7, Philip's response was, well, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all of these people. And then Andrew shows up with a little boy who has two fish and five barley loaves. And he says these words. He said, here's a young boy with two fish and five loaves of bread, but what good is it with this huge crowd? What were they doing? They were putting God in a box. They were putting a lid on what God was able to do. 
In other words, they were putting constraints on Jesus because for whatever reason, they were looking at things in the natural rather than seeing the fact that Jesus, who had just healed a blind man, who had just performed all of these miracles, was incapable of feeding the people who were in tremendous need. You know, one of the things that um, begins to happen is that we put ourselves in a dangerous place when we begin to lean on our own understanding and catch this, and we begin to simply say what is and what isn't possible. Let me tell you something. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that no matter what situation, no matter what the circumstances are that we're going through, no matter what vision or dream that we have in our hearts, it may be big, it may be audacious, honestly, on a practical level, it may not even be, listen, even possible on the human perspective or in the natural, but we have to be reminded that with God, all things are possible. And my question to you is, what are you putting a limitation on God with? Maybe you're in a situation where you're in a strained marriage. And, and, and from your perspective, there's no, there's really no light at the end of the tunnel in your relationship. There's just a, a, a repeat, a repeated pattern over and over that is, listen, just destructive in your marriage. And from your perspective, it's over. It just can't work. Well, let me ask you a question. What if God showed up? What if God did a miracle, maybe in your heart or in your spouse's heart? Maybe you have a wayward son or daughter who, for whatever reason, just doesn't have any desire for the things of God. Well, are you putting a limitation on God? Are you saying that God is incapable of changing your son or your daughter's heart? You maybe have maybe, maybe some financial challenges. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've been drowning in debt and you feel overwhelmed but are you putting God in a box? Are you saying that God is incapable of sending somebody into your life to maybe help you come up with a plan that where God could, could help move and intervene in situations and circumstances to once again do the impossible? What about a physical diagnosis that maybe you've received? I just uh, received a praise report from uh, my uh, sister-in-law who's been fighting breast cancer. And she's gone through uh, some intense chemotherapy. She just had surgery and she just got the doctor's report. And he said to her, you are cancer free. Let me tell you something. I don't care how difficult or how challenging or how big the mountain might be that is in front of you. With God, all things are possible. Listen, Ephesians 3.20 says it this way, that God is able to do immeasurably more than, the, than, than anything that we could ask or even imagine. Isn't that awesome to know that God is in the miracle working business? And can I just remind you that every problem in your life, listen to this, every problem, no matter what it is, if it's relational, financial, if it's maybe a spiritual challenge in your life, whatever it is, can I just say this? Remind yourself that every miracle first began with a problem. So if you have a problem in your life, I got good news. You're a perfect candidate for a miracle 
to take place in your life, no matter what it is. So whatever you do, don't put limitations on God. Yeah, things may not make sense, but be willing to trust God even when they don't make sense. And whatever you do, just walk in faith, have expectant faith, and believe in your heart that no matter what, God is able to do immeasurably more in my life, in my marriage, in my home, with my kids, in my health, with my finances, in my job. God can do immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine. I love that. The third thing that we learn from this particular story is that we can faithfully give what we do have. And I think that's important. Faithfully give what you do have, even though it may, may not make sense. Again, we're putting our trust in God rather than leaning on our own understanding. We're going to remove the limitations believing that God can do the impossible. He can do what we can't. He can put his super on our natural, but we have to faithfully give what we have. And I love the story as we wrap this up in verses 10 through 14, because Jesus, once he, once he saw the two fish and saw the five loaves of bread that this little boy simply handed over. So here's a little boy who basically gave what he did have. And even though Andrew still didn't think it was enough, even though, you know, you got Philip over here, who is a skeptic, who's thinking that it is just humanly impossible. And so Jesus says, all right, I want everybody to take a seat. And I love the scene as it begins to unfold, because Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks to God and he distributed to, distributed to them to the people. And then afterward, he did the same thing with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. It was like a buffet. It was like a fish fry. I mean, they had, they had you know, chips and, and fish and man, they had all the, the, the rolls, you know, they had it all going. I mean, it was, it was like Long John, Long John Silver's, man, it was the first fish and chips, you know, in all the Bible. So here's the thing, they ate and they kept on eating over and over till the Bible says their stomachs were full. So God took the bread, he took the fish, and what did he do? He took what the little boy had, and what did he do? He blessed it, he multiplied it, to the point where there was an abundance left over, some 12 basketfuls, so that no one, no one was left hungry. No needs went unmet. As a matter of fact, there was a surplus. There was more than enough to be able to help meet every need and then some. You know why that happened? Because that's the way God works. We serve a generous God. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundant, abundantly, immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine. Why? Because you can't outgive God. And if you think you can, then I dare you to try it. Because listen, God will bless you, but in return, He'll give you an even greater blessing so that you're positioned to give even more. Because that's how God works. You cannot outgive God. 
You know, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says these words, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy, notice, gets smaller and smaller. So the question is, are we going to trust God in this whole area of giving, even when it doesn't make sense? Are we willing to take the limitations off of God? And are we willing to give faithfully what we do have? I want to share um, in conclusion a little bit about my story and my wife and my wife Michelle and I as related to how we got started in our marriage. We both came from Christian homes. Both came from very generous homes, but yet at the same time came from a little bit different perspective. And honestly, for the first several years of our marriage, she and I struggled on getting on the same page when it came to agreement in this issue of giving, specifically in the issue of tithing. And I was the one holding us back. I was the one who was rationalizing and justifying and honestly minimizing this principle, justifying my reasoning for minimizing it because we were doing other things. So in my mind, hey, it all is the same thing. Until one day, Michelle really spoke the truth in love and she looked me in the eye as a young married couple, and she said, well, I'm tithing no matter what, and you can either join me or you can be on your own. Now, honestly, God spoke to, her, spoke to me through her, and from that day, we decided to come together as a husband and a wife, and even though it didn't make sense to me, and even though the last thing I wanted to do is put a limitation on God, but once again, I was rationalizing and I was justifying and I was leaning on my own understanding because I was having a hard time of giving what we had because it wasn't very much. And I saw way too much month at the end of our money and I struggled with this area in my life. But when I stepped out in faith and together as a husband and wife, we got unified in this, things begin to happen. We've been married now for 30 years, as I mentioned a few moments ago, and there's not enough time for me to stand here today and share with you miracle after miracle, God's provision in ways that honestly is hard for some to even fathom. But I can just say this, that I've been in ministry now for just over 30 years. We've been married for 30 years, and I've seen God's supernatural provision. I've literally experienced miracles financially, as well as in relationships, doors of opportunity, circumstances that could not be explained, physical health. I'm telling you story after story where God has moved, God has intervened, God has shown favor that made no sense. God opened doors that in most people's perspective were impossible to be opened. Listen, we have seen God place His hand on our children. We've seen God time and time again bless them and 
favor them and prosper them and advance them that honestly made no sense. I'm here to tell you, we've seen God do amazing things, immeasurable things. Listen, things beyond our highest hopes or even dreams. You know why? Because we've learned through faithfully giving what we did have that God is who He says He is and He will do what He promises He will do. And that is when we give what we do have and we're faithful with that, God takes it, even though it may not be much, and He blesses it, He multiplies it, and He uses it to accomplish things that often blow our minds, that are inexplainable. And I want to give you an opportunity to do something today. If you've never done this, I want to challenge you to put God to the test. I want to challenge you. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus, and maybe you're kind of like me, you were kind of on the fence with this whole issue. You hadn't, you know, you haven't really gone all, all in with it. Can I just challenge you and, and ask you to put God to the test and let him prove to you that he is who he says he is. And he will do what he promises he will do. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says these words. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the local house of worship, that there may be food. In other words, that there's enough resources in my house. And then he said, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to give, give what you have and to give it faithfully. And here's my next challenge. My next challenge is, is to pray and ask God to help you honor Him on June the 27th by literally giving God the full tithe. That means 10% of what you earn, your earnings, Giving a tithe, because that's what the word tithe means, 10%, one-tenth. Give God the tithe. Give it to Him as an act of worship. Give it to Him as a, at, through the heart of obedience. Give to Him with expectant faith. And trust God, even though it doesn't make sense. Take the limits off. Give God faithfully what you have. And watch what God will do. I promise you. On June 27th, if you'll be faithful in that way, and if God doesn't begin to work and move and open doors and provide and place His favor in you in different ways, listen, if weeks or even months go by, and if anything, just the opposite happens, all hell breaks loose and the wheels come off, listen, you let us know. We'll give you 100% of your money back because it's not about an amount. It's not about any monetary issue. The issue is our heart. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We just want to go all in with Jesus. Listen, let's trust Him, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense. Let's take the limitations off. Let's faithfully give what we can give. And let God take it, bless it, multiply it. Because when we give God our first and give God our best, God blesses the rest. Listen, we is greater than me. Let's bow our heads together. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment, can I just say that if 
Maybe today, if you're watching as a believer and you know Jesus as your Savior, but maybe this is an area that has caused you to somewhat um, fall behind in your faith, maybe in your personal relationship with the Lord. Maybe you haven't grown in this area. Maybe you've had some apprehension, fear. Listen, those are all very real emotions. But can I just encourage you today to trust God? All of your heart, stop leaning on your own understanding. Trust Him and watch what God does. Some of you watching this, maybe you're still a little skeptical and that's okay. But can I challenge you today? If there's one thing, please don't be skeptical and believing in your heart that Jesus died for your sin. He was buried and He came back to life so that He could have a relationship with you, so that your sin could be forgiven ultimately so you could have new purpose in life and have a home in heaven. If that's your need, would you pray this prayer in your heart? Say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin and believe in my heart that Jesus, you died and you came back to life. And by faith, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer just then, we would love to know. Please check or uh, click that little button there at the top of your screen. If you're watching on our website, it says, I decided, or just type those little words in the chat saying, I decided. We want to send you some information that I promise will be a great source of help and life-giving hope to your life. Hey, we love you. Don't forget to join us next week for Father's Day. We're doing a message called Father Fi. We're going to be talking about redefining how dads can lead their families. We can't wait to see you then. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.